recording. Cool. Uh, hello, Ishmael. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's been a very good day uh, by myself. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's been like that for the past couple of weeks. Well, okay. not really by myself. At least I have my brother here. So, oh. but technically, technically, mm -hmm. could have been okay. with way more people. Mm -hmm. I'd like to welcome you to Stage Fright, uh, basically a podcast that focused on the mediums that propagate art to people and basically the fears that we are currently facing as the mediums have to change. Thank uh, you for having I'd like me. To, mm -hmm, I'd like to advise you that yeah, this call is being recorded for content creation purposes. All right. Yeah, and I understand that you are co-founder of Speak Out Loud and Hear My Voice. Um, correction, um, I'm the co-founder of Hear My Voice, um, which mm -hmm. is a non-profit uh, organization focused on creating open and uncensored spaces for writers and poets. And mm -hmm. um, Speak Out Loud itself is a program on its own, uh, which I actually conceptualize in partnership with um, the city of Twani. Um, mm -hmm. So Speak Out Loud actually started way before Hear My Voice, well, a year before um, Hear My Voice was even uh, conceptualized. So mm -hmm. there are two separate entities. However, now um, there are entities that are working hand in hand uh, through the nonprofit mm -hmm. Hear My Voice. We've been working with the city of Tony to continue curating Tony Speak Out Loud and making it as big as it is right now. So, uh, I have uh, one very important question to ask. Since you are organizing all this poetry and writing activities, what is the best performed poem you have ever witnessed? Wow, wow, the best performed poem I've ever witnessed oh like there's so many and uh, you know that's a very tricky question because I listen to so much poetry especially when it comes to the Tony Speak Aloud um, program which mm -hmm. um, I did not get into detail to but just to give you an idea is a poetry competition uh, for the city of Tony uh, poets and youth yep. residents and on a yearly basis right uh, we receive about 200 on average um, applications and mm -hmm. we go to each and every region of city of Tony and get people to perform poetry so there's usually on the auditions there's two stages where up to 30 people per um, audition compete and mm -hmm. Stage one is 30 people performing poems, and then we have that um, for the second round, and then 15 people perform. So just on one audition, there's already so much poetry that one um, listens to. That's like yes. 45 poems, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So, whoa. So trying to actually think about that. Um, you can make a list if you <laughs> So let me you do don't this have to rather. order it. Let mm -hmm. me do this rather, right? Um, let me tell you the poets whose performances I've loved because it spans okay. 
across multiple poems of theirs as well. So uh -huh. since I've been in this game, if I put it that way, it has been Mudise Sohote. Ah, no. Church, preach. Right? He's mm -hmm. amazing. And the way he puts together different elements beyond just poetry and words, um, the mm -hmm. music, the sounds, the various um, art forms that he combines together is amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And that's always a full-blown show and amazing, amazing concept. And then oh. there is Masai Sipuru as well. Preach. Um, who's doing a whole lot of great work combining poetry and theatre. Um, mm -hmm. There's Emma Mabe. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> there's Torsten Clear. Yeah, who's yeah, also complete. doing amazing work. Um, and you know, and one thing that you will notice about the poets that I'm mentioning now and the works that they do is that it's often a combination between spoken word and another art form. They yeah. do a whole lot of that, um, which I believe enhances the whole poem itself. Um, mm -hmm. And Bangi Gancho, um, and pretty the much. Godmother. Yes, the godmother mm -hmm. of poetry. She's really doing so much to ensure that uh, poetry is published, is listened to, is written. Um, and of course, her poetry is also just as amazing as the people mm -hmm. who she's trying to get noticed through the various avenues that she has. Mm -hmm. And to close off, um, and this is by no means the only people that I really enjoy listening to. Um, to close off is Len Eriksson, who's a poet from Sweden. Um, that we I've never uh, heard of them. You should, you should definitely listen mm -hmm. to her. So we had the privilege of actually bringing her to South Africa last year, mm -hmm. um, June for Twine Speak Out Loud. And okay. wow, um, she's, she is super amazing. Definitely okay. someone who you'll hear a lot because since coming to South Africa, she's been doing a whole lot of work and trying to see how she can actually be a part of the South African spoken word scene as well. So you'll be hearing a whole lot of her because she's been collaborating with various people, people like Kabiso Vidi. Um, mm -hmm. She's been a part of our live stream shows that we've been doing now since COVID-19 started and such. Mm -hmm. So she's definitely going to be making a name for herself within the South African poetry scene. Okay, interesting. Well, speaking of Sweden, I'm actually considering my immigrating there because they didn't implement uh, a restricted <laughs> lockdown and uh, yeah, I, I, I want to be free here so I might hear her sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah, most, most likely, most likely but take a note of something right. For Sweden well, um, and having been there twice already um, for two years in a row, right, is mm -hmm. that um, they are a bit different in terms of, they're very punctual, number one, I wonder that's mm -hmm. the one thing you say something is going to happen or show is going to start at 8 p.m. People are there at half past seven and by 8 p.m. everyone is sitting down watching the show waiting for you to start. So, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to us here in South Africa, we've gotten used to saying that if something starts at eight, just know it's actually going to start a quarter past or half past because number one, as organizers, we are waiting for people to still come into the 
venue um, to settle down and all of that. That's Not just people, certain, but actual team members. Every yeah, exactly. They're everyone, you know. Um, mm -hmm. It's a whole. We've come to understand that when it comes to our industry and just how generally we work. Whereby that time mm -hmm. it's eight is when things actually start. So it's a culture whereby for them it's that's a thing, right? Being mm -hmm. not, I wouldn't say obedient, but just adhering to part. certain exactly and adhering mm -hmm. to certain things so for them yeah. uh, not uh, pretty much making a, a strict uh, lockdown is because they've asked people to please stay at home and a whole mm -hmm. lot of people are actually still adhering or are listening to that um, mm -hmm. request you know so mm -hmm. fortunately for them they haven't had to explicitly say yo this is now a total lockdown deploying the military and all of that um snitch on your neighbors exactly, exactly. Mm. but who knows hey they're taking a different stance we taking a different stance who knows okay. which one works and we're all just trying to see different ways of ultimately coming to the same end goal and that is the mm. end of COVID 19. okay cool but yeah back to your original list uh, i think i've seen most of the people you mentioned on the speak out loud stage um, and yeah. is probably my favorite poet in the country right? <laughs> um, mm, yeah and who else uh, yeah her Masai. uh mad respect to him uh, i think he's uh, second in line and what I really appreciate about Masai is he's always pushing it to the next level. Like, mm, I, I can't wait to hear the stuff he's about to write next year and the year after that, because he's always trying to improve on his own craft. Um, if poetry was battle rap, he, he, is, he has the DNA of a battle cat where he's like, <laughs> where's the cipher? Uh, I, I need some, uh, someone to spit these bars with and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah Emma, she dropped her book. Um, what was it? A clock or what? Clocking in. Yeah, a clocking in. And yeah, she, she has really documented quite a lot of... Um, or spoken from the female perspective quite well, or uh, the South African black female perspective quite well in her poetry and in her pieces. And I have enjoyed that. And I've seen her performances. And she understands that sometimes, you know, the poetry, especially if you're doing slam poetry, there's this pressure of killing the show. But yeah. sometimes you have to write what you write for yourself or for uh, the people that you're writing that specific piece for. And you might not kill the show, but two or three people in the audience are going to connect with what you shared. And that's going to mean a lot for them. And just having that means, yeah, you're doing something that's worth doing. Exactly. And, um, and can I add, right? Um, yeah. Well, also this is like an open question as well. It's like, mm -hmm. Sometimes you should not be doing like your poetry for um, for the claps and the snaps and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, is it a really is it a must that you do that? And I feel like 
slam poetry and the poetry scene, specifically the competitive um, slam world has uh, not really forced, but then have gotten poets inclined to just do poetry for the snaps, for the claps and all of that, um, mm -hmm. instead of actually writing what's important to you as the poet, as the writer, and speaking mm -hmm. for certain groups of people, for example. Because there'll definitely be someone within a room that will relate to what you're writing, mm -hmm. um, to what you're speaking about. Um, but is it really worth now you sometimes even having to dumb down your work in order to get a majority of the people to understand and take it in and you know hmm. your fingers snap yeah. and all of that okay. so it's, 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 it's an interesting question so um, you are in a very unique position in this question right now because one we can both agree that poets uh, mold their work most poets not all of them um, it, it to be more in line with the incentive that um, the stage provides them. In this case, the claps and the snaps and the cheers from the audience. Right? But then, on the other hand, uh, Speak Out Loud has this pot for the winner. Uh, what, what has been the biggest amount you guys gave up? So, um, currently, um, Tony Speak Out Loud is giving out um, 30,000 Rand for first place, uh, mm -hmm. 15,000 Rand for second place, and 5,000 Rand for third place. Um, mm -hmm. For first place, in addition to the cash, you also are guaranteed a tour uh, internationally, right? As part mm -hmm. of Hear My Voices exchange programs that we run, whereby mm -hmm. we take South African poets to the world and the world's poets, we bring them to South Africa. So mm -hmm. those are the prizes. So collectively for the first place, um, the prize can go up to about between 60 to mm -hmm. 3 or 100,000 rand, depending obviously on various factors, um, such as which country you get cool. to go to and such. And the previous one, um, we've been fortunate enough to work with the Embassy of Sweden, and mm -hmm. we got the previous winner who's uh, Masai Sipuru. Um, to go to Sweden as well and he toured there for two weeks performing at various theatres, spaces, libraries as well as one of the biggest platforms we've been able to get a poet is the Gothenburg uh, Book Fair which is the largest book fair in Scandinavia which mm -hmm. hosts 84,000 people every year over a span of four days oh. so he mm -hmm. got to perform there and the performance that he actually um, did was in commemoration of the um, South Africa being announced as the guest of honor for the 2020 Gothenburg Book Fair. So it was big um, and a lot of people tuned into that. Um, a lot has been written about it as well in the media. So a lot pretty much uh, came out of um, his win. Um, let's put it that way. So there's a whole lot of value. Mm -hmm. Was that the performance recorded? I'd like to see it. 
Yes, it was. Um, yes, it was. Um, okay. We actually have it uh, posted up on the Hear My Voice Facebook page. If you go mm -hmm. to the video okay, section. Cool. Um, I'll, I'll look for you. Cool. All right. Yeah, so back to the question I wanted to ask. So since poets uh, know their writing to the incentives, how much do you think the 60,000 rands and the uh, trips internationally have molded the poetry that comes onto the speak out loud stage? Oh, right. Um, interesting, interesting question. Um, the beginning of speak out loud and the whole intention was it of, um, of um, speak out loud was to create a space where we get poets together to speak about what matters most to them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and with that platform, we've understood that it can easily get to a point whereby now people are just writing what will get them snaps, you know, from the audiences and all of that. And mm -hmm. obviously you want to win that cash. It's a whole lot of money. And we've always yeah. wanted to create incentives. We believe that poets deserve these prizes with thousand rands. You know, you have beauty pageants where the the winners get a car, get 100,000, get 500,000, get a million even. You know, you have music competitions mm -hmm. that where it's a similar thing. Why can't that be the same for uh, poetry, right? So that's what we've been mm -hmm. striving towards. And with that, you do get um, the poets who then see this as, you know what, yeah, I'm going to write specifically just to get crowds to... Uh, snap at me and clap and hopefully that will make me go to the next round. So we understand that that's, that's definitely a factor that I want to win is a factor in getting posts to write um, a certain way, to write about certain topics, but we are encourage them to stick to writing about what they believe in. And we found, right, since Speak Aloud has started that, it's actually those that really write straight from the heart who actually do progress. Those who just write mm -hmm. for snaps and claps do not, right? And another factor that um, assists us in ensuring that those who really are about the craft, who do write about what matters most to them, do go to the next rounds and do eventually win, is by getting a panel of judges that are within the industry that will look into various aspects of the performance, the writing, um, the presence on stage as well. Um, so our judges have been people who are in the industry. Previously, we've gotten judges uh, who are professors from UNISA, for example, um, Professor Olifant uh, from UNISA. Mm -hmm. We've gotten slam champions in the US, um, Safia Alhilo, um, who was a judge as well. We've got an Philippa Yadavillis, who is a lecturer at uh, WITS, um, lecturing creative writing day. Um, we mm -hmm. have had Lebu Masangu as well, who herself is a spoken word um, poet and also a writer, you know? Mm -hmm. So having such panels in the uh, judging panel, um, that has enabled us to really ensure that there's good quality and 
if there's literally, literally any poet that's just there to, yeah, I'm here to win, um, trust you me, they will not get very far. Um, mm, okay. It gets sifted through. You'll get the snaps you'll, from the audience and all of that, but at the end of the day, the judges are they who are mm. actually not about the thrills and the spice, let me put it that way, and all about the arts, all about the work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, I think uh, that pretty much covers uh, quite a lot about uh, what you guys have done and how you guys operate. But then now, I'd like to extend it from the present that we are in to the future that we are heading right and one thing i'd like to talk about is what is your outlook on poets making a living from poetry basically Uh, how far down do you see that like an an average poet i don't uh, consider all the people we've talked about to this point uh, average poets right and I believe that they can make a living from the art uh, in some way or form by, you know, uh, doing other things. But you, what's your outlook of an average poet who just writes, you know, poetry from the heart, as we say. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not what we mostly consider top-notch poetry in the country because we have peace but they are actually making a living off of that. Yeah. Oh. So how far down do you think that is? How many years do you think that is? So uh, I don't think I would be able to explicitly put a number to the years, right? Mm-hmm. However, um, I do acknowledge the fact that we are slowly going or getting towards that point. Um, it mm-hmm. takes a whole lot of factors to for us to actually get to a point where poets are making a living solely from poetry and a good living as well, right? Because um, mm-hmm. that's what's important. Beyond just making a living, you need to make a good living. And there's a lot of poets who are actually making a living right now um, as poets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now whether it's a good living um that's something to be discussed further um Mm -hmm. so for more people now to be able to do such um there is a lot more work um that needs to be done and from various aspects as well people really or often look at it as here's a poet on stage reciting poetry gets paid and done right Mm -hmm. and that's how poets have been coming in to the game, um, thinking as well that, you know, that's all I need is my words and my performance skills in Yana, and I'll go on stage, perform, and I'll make money. No, mm-hmm. it goes beyond all of that. There is the aspect of people need to, first of all, know who you are, right? People get booked because they are known. People... Mm-hmm. Um, get um, asked to commission or uh, get commissioned to write work because they um, are known by people in various industries from the advertising industry to uh, corporate and such and people and other people within the literary industry as well, their peers, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So it takes all of that to come together, 
right? Um, for you to ensure that you are in the media often, um, and that will require you to possibly um, get someone who's solely responsible for um, putting you out there within the media, or maybe even getting a PR company to uh, represent you, you know, mm-hmm. in media and such. Um, then it requires someone else who will actively go out trying to get you gigs, trying to ensure that the right people are aware of your work and who you are, you know? It's not a one-person job. And that's what a whole lot of um, poets um, get wrong. A lot of the other art forms and industries, um, they are thriving right now because there's a whole lot of teams that have been put together to ensure that that specific entity, that specific person um, goes on and makes money. And then Mm -hmm. at some point in your career, you will be at a point whereby now everyone knows you and you will get those bookings for the mere fact that, hey, you are Ishmael Sabia, you are this poet, and this is the type of work that you do and how, this is how you do it. And people will be like, this is what I want for my specific show, you know? This is what I mm. want for my event, my TV show, my whatnot, my radio show, you know? So mm-hmm. all of these things. And we as the industry players, um, for example, us as Hear My Voice, uh, we are there to create platforms to have these poets notice to get these poets into spaces whereby they would have never been before. Um, And by spaces like that, what I mean is, for example, we've done work with the Embassy of Sweden, um, whereby we've been doing poetry um, sessions at the ambassador's home, right? And Mm -hmm. there, you'd have other ambassadors from other countries present, you'd have diplomats present, you have all these people in various high positions within the communities from nonprofits to uh, deans in universities present at that space, right? At the ambassador's home. Now, these people get access to, you know, different audiences. And that's what we've been trying to do as well. Um, so all these things play a factor. All these things play a factor. And that's the one way we can definitely ensure that people can often make a living um, out of the poetry that we've been mm. doing all this time. Okay, so um, just to um, uh, put it, everything you said in a nutshell, so you say um, poets need to get their name out there and need to put a team together to take care of the formalities that are tied uh, into making a living off the art, basically. Yeah, and pretty much think of it as a business. Um, You know, it is a business at the end of the day. Yeah, no, no. I've heard uh, a lot of poets actually say that statement. I remember even Bishmush Kagati saying poets or artists in general are quick to call themselves artists even though they don't uh, spend eight hours a day on the art. 
unlike a person who in any other trade who spends eight hours a day on that specific trade a call center worker spends eight hours a day in the uh, doing uh handling calls and stuff like that but artists spend x number of hours chilling and then one hour on the art and then you yeah. are you are a poet now when you literally just spent 30 minutes writing this piece and mm. you haven't rehearsed in ages you haven't uh put together work in ages and such so that's an interesting take right um mm -hmm. i am a bit two i'm um, two ways when it comes to that um i agree um mm -hmm. with that but at the same time i believe that um you can be an artist and you know it's really up for further debate um and maybe another time but you mm -hmm. can be an artist and still do a whole lot of other things right um yeah at the end of the day it's also a matter of um the work and the output right if you're yeah. still outputting the work and you only spend two hours doing that um at the end of the day you still have the work done right there might be someone yeah. else who's spending eight hours uh, doing the work and have a final output. They might just be but better than you. But at the end of the day, both of you have um, created Which art, uh, produced mm -hmm. art, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm just, yeah. yeah. I think um, what he also wanted to stress was uh, the administration side of it is also within the eight hours. Right? Yes. Um, because um, if you want to collaborate with someone, uh, sometimes there's a lot of administration that has to get done, like uh, how's the copyright going to be owned, blah, 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 blah. And these are conversations I never had while I was still doing poetry. Uh, we just wrote the art and uh, performed it, and that was it. We just collaborated, and that was it. And we never said, oh, okay, this is how we're going to deal with the copyright and all these other administrative tasks behind it. So I think that's what he was also stressing on the eight hours. Don't just look at producing the art and end at that. And I totally agree with that. Um, if anything, um, you'd find that administration actually surpasses the amount of um effort put in in terms of the arts right uh, more effort actually is put in and should be put in on administration as well um because administration takes up a lot of time uh mm -hmm. however if you have processes and systems in place you can really reduce that time it's like if it becomes like any other job right um if you look at an accounting, for example, there's system, certain processes, certain systems that are in place for you to be able to do your work more faster and more efficiently, mm -hmm. right? And also at a scale. And it's the same thing with poetry. If you apply the same principle to that, um, you can really get so much out of um, the industry, the poetry industry, right? Have systems mm -hmm. in place to uh start out in terms of copyrights right if you have a template you can always refer to that template and uh, modify it towards what specific um criteria or 
thing that's in front of you right now, right? Yeah. And that obviously halves the time in half. Um, mm-hmm. And then various other things as well. You can literally put systems in place to assist you in that regard. And okay. that will ensure that you flourish within the industry and just become the that one person who's really making serious money out of um, poetry and the okay. industry. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, now that uh, we focus on the stage and what's put on the stage, uh, let's deal a bit with the frightening bits about it. Right? Uh, what's the scariest event you've had to deal with while putting together Speak Out Loud or Hear My Voice? <laughs> Scariest event or incident or incident. Um, Okay, Um, there's not really much of a. I wouldn't say it's scary, right? But it has Mm -hmm. been um, very daunting incident. So, in terms of speak out loud, um, we've had to postpone uh, speak out loud. A couple of times actually. Um, mm. So the saddest thing that has ever happened uh, when it comes specifically to speak out loud is that what has happened, apologies on that, I uh, just got distracted by the sound. Um, however, so a couple of years back, um, this was in 2016, 17 actually, 2017. No. It was 20, definitely 2016, right? Um, we were supposed to have the grand finale of Sonic Speak Loud. Here we've had a great run of auditions, semifinals. We have our top 10 poets uh, who are going to be competing in the grand finale of Sonic Speak Loud. We've set the date um, for December. And yes, we are ready, right? We've marketed mm. it and all of that. Uh, about a thousand people have RSVP'd to attend this event. That's how big it was, right? Um, and mm-hmm. well received. Just for now, the day before the event is supposed to take place, for me to get a call to state that because we're working with government, um, before something can get the final go ahead, it needs to have certain amount of signatures and have that last signature from the men at the top, right? To give mm-hmm. approval for it. So throughout the whole process, it was a matter of the document for the final approval is sitting at that desk and we should get it sorted by next week, you know? That has mm-hmm. how it's been, and through that we obviously then got to go ahead uh, from the our immediate um, people that we working with directly within the department to go ahead and continue with the project. However, the day before, that paper was not signed yet. You know that final approval was not there yet. So because of mm-hmm. that, we couldn't go ahead, and now we had to postpone. And this is a day before. Imagine one thousand people have um, RSVP'd some coming from all the way in Durban and Cape Town just to come and watch Mm -hmm. these amazing 10 young writers and performers uh, do their thing on stage. And now it is 
one o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday, mm-hmm. I have to start calling people to tell them, hey, so unfortunately we cannot have Tony Speaker Loud happen tomorrow. Uh, that was first to obviously the poets themselves. And then mm-hmm. write a press release and distribute the press release, send emails out to everyone who RSVP'd. So that was uh, one of the worst days of my life, honestly. Um, however, we mm. got the, the news out and the message out to everyone. A lot of people were understanding mm-hmm. to that, um, which I'm very grateful for. And we had to wait a couple of months before we could eventually get um, the grand finale uh, to happen, right? Um, and mm. then the following year in April, literally, the Friday, uh, well, yeah, on the Friday, I got a call. Um, this is April now, about five months later, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. to say we finally got that signature. You guys can In go April. ahead. Yes, yes, yes. You know, um, a whole lot happens. Um, and these people at the top are dealing with so much, you know. And when that's the case, it will take ages for your things to get signed. So we are understanding to that factor, but obviously now it's really hard on us when it comes to delivering to the beneficiaries of this specific project, because you know not everyone mm. is understanding as we are. Because we are behind the scenes, we understand these things. However, those in the front lines would mm-hmm. not. Um, but that's how long it took and Eventually, we got the final call to say, look, finally, things have been signed. We can go ahead. However, it needs to take place now. And that's how the second part of the dauntingness of all of this situation came in, whereby it was uh, said that we have to have this event by next week, Wednesday. This is a Friday, right? (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine. Not even I can imagine I have experienced it. <laughs> so, however, we did it. Um, that same Friday in the evening, I had the artwork ready, um, thanks to a very great uh, graphic designer that we work with who's always on top of his game. Um, and then we had the press release ready and we distributed everything by like 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then people started RSVPing again. They, it just kept on coming, kept on coming, kept Damn. on coming. Uh, by the next day, we had about 150 people RSVP. Um, and just imagine, we sent it out at night. By mm-hmm. midday, the next day, we had 150 people who have already RSVPed to attend the grand finale mm-hmm. on a Wednesday, whereby previously it was on a Saturday, obviously. And on Wednesday, it's a work Culturally Wednesday. speaking. Exactly. Yeah, culturally speaking. And you know how hard it yeah. is to fill up uh, venues for events during the week. However, people yeah. are RSVPing. And come Wednesday, uh, we got about 500 and something people attend uh, the Grand Finale okay. at cool. the South African State Theatre. So that is mm-hmm. my daunting story. I that just gave scary. a story. <laughs> that just gave a story. I, I, I just put it up there with the uh, campfire stories. Exactly. And as an organizer, that is 
one of the worst things that can ever happen. Having to postpone an event is mm -hmm. is very scary. Just the possibility mm -hmm. of that on its own. Um, oh, okay. No, man. Uh, uh, no, interesting times indeed. So, yeah, mm, I think any South African who has had to deal with the government knows exactly the, the problems that you are talking about and all the hoops that you have to go through. So, I can only hope that you guys don't have to you know, partner with the government any longer. Well, um, I would not hope that. Um, mm -hmm. Beyond the red tape, beyond the um, hoops that one has to go through and all of that, at the end of the mm -hmm. day, um, government is one of the biggest funders of any industry, as well mm -hmm. as specifically when it comes to development, youth development and arts as well. You know, so mm -hmm. whether we like it or not, we definitely need them. And okay. beyond the uh, red tape, things actually get done. And so much can be done with the support from government. And we really, really appreciate it. Speak Out Loud, okay. for example, would not be possible without mm -hmm. the government that you're working with, without specifically City of Twani, okay. you know. Um, and the people that we've been interacting with and that who are in charge of coordinating this with us from government um they have been really great um they've been they every step of the way going the extra mile but obviously it needs to be within certain uh barriers if i may put it that way uh mm -hmm. within government so mm -hmm. we understand that that's why we've been very patient um getting as much done on the side um and then when things are sorted out from their end, we all come together and we execute one speak about and make it one of the biggest um, mm -hmm. successes in South Africa, if not Africa when it comes to poetry slams. Because okay. at this moment, it's the biggest poetry slam in terms of prize in the continent. Mm -hmm. Okay, dope, dope. Yeah, so we appreciate okay. that. No, man. Mm, thank you very much for this conversation. Uh, it's been very uh, nice to hear all these stories and especially from your perspective since you've been the man at the home for both Hear My Voice and Speak Out Loud. And yeah, I'm seeing you guys doing very interesting things now during uh, the coronavirus. I saw, can I hear my voice fund for artists? It um it is the Hear My Voice uh, Poetry Relief Fund. No, okay, so uh, would you like to share thirty seconds about that if anyone wants to get involved and yes, um so the poetry relief fund um we have put it together in order to give some sort of relief to poets during this time because everyone has lost out on gigs. Um, mm -hmm. especially those who are freelance uh, poets who rely solely on performances and writing and commissioning uh, and the stage, right, um, through poetry. Mm -hmm. um, we have put together this fund to then curate uh, live streamed poetry performances, uh, which are live streamed on Facebook, and we pay every poet and honorarium um, that participates uh, within the Poetry Relief Fund. 
in order to get a, or be a part of the poetry relief fund um, poets um, had an opportunity to apply through an open call um, that open call is ongoing however we have paused it for now in order to raise additional funding right um, to date we have um, raised over 50,000 rand for the poetry relief fund right so and that's going to towards about 50 poets um, and paying them an honorarium for doing these live streams. So we're just trying to do and play our part. And thankfully, um, we've had the Market Theatre, Poetry Potion, as well as the Windy Brow Art Centre, who have come on board and also contributed funds towards um, the Poetry Relief uh, Fund, which is um, then uh, part of that whole 50,000 rand that we've raised okay. so far. Okay, dope. All right. And, uh, keep doing the wonderful things that you guys are doing. And I hope to see way more from you guys. Thank you. Thank you. There's more to come. Um, our work here is not done. Um, as a, mm -hmm. my colleague and co-founder of Hear My Voice from Africa um, often says, and which mm -hmm. I believe uh, resonates uh, with who we are and what we are about um, mm -hmm. is that we are here to serve. Yeah. Exactly. We are here to serve the industry. Uh, we are here to serve the poets. Um, and that's what we will continue doing. Mm, now, uh, weird enough, more Africa is actually uh, one of the first poets I've met in my life. Uh, I think I was 14 and the first time I saw her perform in Mamelodi. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So she, she used to have this, oh, they used to put together these other shows, Voices of Expression. Yes. What the latest iteration was. And I think those were the earliest shows I also performed at. So it's good to see that she's also still pushing it forward and she lives the statement we are here to serve. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah. And it's people like her that have allowed Hear My Voice to flourish the way it has right now, you know, mm -hmm. and to ensure that it is for the people. Okay. Um, yeah, cool. I think that's about it for me. I don't know if you have any other questions or you have any questions directly to me. Um, I believe... Um, I'm sorted. I believe I'm sorted. No, man. Uh, thanks for the conversation. I hope you have a wonderful lockdown and get a lot of sunshine. Thank you very much. It was uh, good uh, being in conversation uh, during these times, you know. Um, mm -hmm. One always tries to interact with as many people as possible uh, just to mm -hmm. keep sane. Um, and this has really been a breath of uh, fresh air. Mm -hmm. No, dopeness, man.